Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Hey, it's Kyle Meredith, host of the Kyle Meredith with podcast presented by WFPK at WFPK.org and the Consequence Podcast Network. It's a series that puts the spotlight on iconic musicians and actors, inviting them to drop by and talk about their latest projects, whether it's albums, TV shows, films or beyond. I'm going to say something I don't want to say. Here it goes. Without Spinal Tap, there is no Tenacious D. Whoa. (laughs) Man. We get great stories and the biggest scoops from people like Garbage's Shirley Manson, the 1975's Matty Healy, Jack Black and Kyle Gass of Tenacious D, Maya Hawk, Kiefer Sutherland, and everyone in between. New episodes arrive every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, so it's a great way to keep up with your favorite artists and discover some new ones. You can find Kyle Meredith with on the Consequence Podcast Network or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the place where Black is the main character, where we dive into something new like the latest season of Them, The Scare, and the award-winning American fiction. Or add to the experience by buying or renting the biopic of a legend, Bob Marley, One Love. And add on channels like Paramount Plus and Stars to bask in nostalgia with Beverly Hills Cop and BMF. Explore Prime Video's culture-rated collection and enjoy old-school greats and new-school hits. Restrictions apply. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details. I'm Leo Phillips, host of This Must Be The Gig. We're a weekly podcast that documents everything about the world of live music. Speaking with choreographers, costume and set designers, the people who run beloved venues and festivals, and, of course, speaking with musicians about that one gig that changed their lives. Get your peek behind the curtain at consequenceofsound.net, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Consequence Podcast Network. I was really disturbed by this one rapper, Jack Harlow, that I needed to find out more on and his whole popularity. This is music journalist Jeff Weiss. Jeff is, in my opinion, one of the greatest critics in rap music today. In addition to all the great pieces he's written for countless publications, he's also the creator and the editor of the blog Passion of the Weiss, which started out as just a home for his own writing and has since evolved into one of the best Sources for rap music journalism, especially, but all music journalism online. Hosts a piece from lots of great writers from all over. He and I were talking about what made Mob Deep such great artists. And he told me this story about this young up-and-coming rapper named Jack Harlow that stuck with me. And it's a story of how his mom, he was 12 years old, and he was like, Mom, I want to be the best rapper of all time. And she was reading The Outliers by Malcolm Gladwell. And... For those of you that don't know, The Outliers is a best-selling book by Canadian journalist Malcolm Gladwell. 
It explores how a person's environment and work ethic contribute to their potential for success and posits this theory that in order to be great at something, you have to spend 10,000 hours working at it. It is a really interesting book and a valid hypothesis, but some people have taken that number, 10,000 hours, and treated it like a religion. She's like, well... You're 12 now. By 18, you're going to have to practice four to five hours a day so you can get your 10,000 hours in. (laughs) (laughs) It's just like, what? It's not how art works. No, it is most certainly not how art works. That's how skill works. That's how technique works. And those are both a huge part of making great art. But in the end... They alone don't make you a great artist. You can have all the skill and the technique that you want. Some of the greatest, most skilled technical guitar players in the world. You know, shredders like Steve Vai, they're super impressive, but <laughs> nobody's putting their art up against Bob Dylan. And some of Bob Dylan's best songs sound like he'd barely been playing the guitar for 10 hours, let alone 10,000 hours. So, young rapper... Jack Harlow may have put his 10,000 hours in it because it shows. Technically, he's a good rapper. There's no disrespect. Someday, he might become the greatest rapper of all time. I mean, 3-6 Mafia won a damn Oscar, so anything is possible, you know. But what Jeff is saying is right. 10,000 hours may make you a great technician, but it takes a hell of a lot more than that to become a great writer and an artist. Like Prodigy from Mob Deep. When Prodigy says I'm only 19, but my mind is old, that's just one of the best piece of simplistic writing ever. And I think that's one of the other things about the album that's so good. It's There's so many different ways to write, and there's just a good elegant simplicity to it. It's like hard-boiled writing. There's not a syllable out of place. There's some stuff that no 10,000 hours could teach you about Prodigy, and it's not just... The fact that he'd seen more than anyone should see by that age. It's something you can't teach. It's, its I mean, magic. I got my mind on the stick-up, now it's time to get paid. Thinking of ways to take food already made. There's crime in the air, ain't no time to be afraid. Give me yours or get laid. laid, laid. Give up because it gets sprayed. I got lots of love for my crew, that is. No love for them upper crews and rival kids. All them out of town niggas know what time it is. And if they don't, they need to buy a watch. Word up, caught up in the crossfire, get they self heard up. Well, I'll be sipping gin straight in a plastic cup on a par bench on 12th Street. My whole crew's famous. You tried to bust a gat and keep it real, but you nameless. First of all, slow down, you on the wrong route. Let me put you on your feet and show you what's it all about. The street life ain't nothing to play with. No jokes, no games, kid. For years, I've been doing the same shit, just drinking liquor, doing bids, escorting crackheads, and sticking up the stick up kids. Stick up kids. Welcome to the Opus, season nine, episode three. Brought to you by Consequence Sound and Sony Legacy Recordings. I'm your host, Danny Bothwell, and this is our final episode on Mob Deep's incredible record, The Infamous. We started off this season examining what life was really like for Prodigy and Havoc in Queensbridge. And in the second episode, we showed how that brutal life made them resourceful, determined, 
capable of overcoming a lot of pressure at a very young age and make a great record. But what we haven't really gotten into yet is what makes them such great artists. And especially what makes Prodigy one of the best rappers of his day and one of the greatest writers in rap history. There's something special about the infamous. Something beyond the fact that it's just good music. Beyond the fact that it's dope, you know. Something more subtle. Something deeper. Well, because it's not preachy and it's not moralizing. There's not like a simple... It's not like a simple takeaway you can you can get from the infamous. We're still here with music writer Jeff Weiss. It sounds threatening you in the same way that NWA was. Like the NWA clearly like intended to have shock value. The infamous did not, in my opinion. It's more cinematic, right? But it's more of a narrative type of cinema. I think you're gonna really be pretentious about it. Whereas I think NWA is very much like a content, you know, kind of thing. With over the top postmodern shock value. There's a deeper interiority, I think, to the infamous. There's more subtlety. You have to listen to it and stop and think about it. They're not telling you what to think. It's not subtle in the sense that you can pretty easily ascertain the tone and, and the themes. But the takeaway from it is more complicated. And I think that's what makes it a better work of art than anything NWA has done. Not to be an apostate of my coast, but, you know, in the end takeaway, it's like shocking to see the grittiness that the violence, the threats, the implied danger of walking into Queens because you're coming across Prodigy and Havoc, but it's not a fucking homily. It doesn't need to have a moral at the end of it. Like, I'm not looking for Prodigy and Havoc to tell me how to live my life. They're, 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 they're painting, you know, and it's like the textures are perfect. The color scheme is perfect. The drawings are vivid. They're unique. They're warped into their own style. When you put it all together, there's like a deep, unabiding sadness to it too right you know what i mean they're wondering was all this for nothing why are we doing this why are we trapped in this kind of environment and then that kind of i think leads you to kind of deeper questions that get into the darkness of america and what we have and continue to do to you know people of color and other marginalized communities and they are young black males essentially trapped in hell and they're born into hell and there's nothing they can do about it other than create art that helps them get out of hell. So all my people's locked down, coming back to life. In the world once again, though your bed was trife. While you was gone, we was going to war. And even more, saw my man laying dead on the floor. Kid, I swore that our crew would live forever. I guess I was wrong, no. Until we meet again, hold your head and stay strong, yo. Got my mind on a place to hide from police. With sweating dogs as I'm running across 12th Street. Just as I approached the block, I spotted Jake on the creek down by Vic's wee spot. Made a UE up the hill, plus a change of plans. I had to hurry back so I can warn my men from the cradle to the grave. From the cradle to the grave. From the cradle to the grave. The way that Jeff Weiss describes this record is Cinema Verite really nails it, I think. A lot of rap is like Tarantino. Paul graphic, violent, maybe you end up rooting for a bad guy. Which makes even more sense that Tarantino brought RZA from the Wu-Tang Clan to compose the score for both Kill Bill films. They're cut from the same cloth. But The Infamous has more reflection in it, doesn't it? And Jeff Weiss compared it to The Sopranos in our talk. I always personally think of The Wire. Both work. Because there isn't a neat bow on either of those stories. No one rides off into the sunset. 
Morality is gray. But not in the you know fun, grindhouse way Tarantino does it. Questioning morality is the backbone of the narrative of The Sopranos. Tony Soprano's life and his choices haunt him the way it haunts Prodigy and Havoc. Well, he's got the money to spend on a therapist. And the question I have is why does society respond to these two things so differently? Why does America watch The Sopranos and The Wire and laud them with acclaim? Much deserved acclaim, I might add. But when you cover the same themes and ideas on a rap album, you have to take a whole episode of a podcast to explain why it's art. And for some people, I can't even start there. Some people will hear the infamous, and I'd have to take a whole episode to explain to them why it's not destroying our country and our children. You know, because rap music is one of those genres, you know, that people just shut down on principle. They've decided in their mind what rap music is and have come to the conclusion that it is of no value to them, or maybe even detrimental to the world. I made reference to this when we talked about Miles Davis last season, but I don't think it's too soon to bring it back, because if you want an example of what I'm talking about, just jump to the three-minute mark on the song Long Island Degrees by De La Soul, and you will see. And start the whole Stakes is High album over from the top, because it is also one of the best rap albums of the mid-90s, but I digress. So there are those people who've decided that they just don't like rap music, which is absurd because rap music has become such a dominant force in pop culture now that you can't listen to any genre of popular music and try to separate it from rap. I mean, Taylor Swift is basically rapping on her song, Me, which you hear in every damn grocery store. You know, all pop, all dance music, it, they all incorporate trap drum patterns now. Basically stealing from 3-6 Mafia. Hell, I mean, you turn on top 40 country radio and you hear dudes spitting double-time verses on tracks with auto-tune on their voice. I could keep going on for hours and we wouldn't even have time to get into the similarities between country songs about how quote-unquote country someone is are basically the exact same as a rap song about how quote-unquote real or gangster someone is, but I digress. Because there's this other group of people who decided that they like rap music as long as it stays in a particular lane as long as it's fun or about love or dancing or non-threatening you know common standing in that girl's front lawn in the video for come close and when any violence or drugs show up that aren't portrayed as a morality tale or a homily like jeff weiss said it just shuts them down. You know, they use terms like conscious hip-hop or indie rap or say things like, I don't listen to rap music, I only listen to hip-hop, which all of those things are, in my opinion, <laughs> real subtle ways of saying that you're just a pretentious fucking snob who finds one branch of this giant and diverse genre beneath you. So you have to create some delineation in order to separate yourself from the other. Of course, Hypocrisy always abounds with both of these groups because as soon as the DJ drops a Drake song in a wedding and they've had two wines, the rules go out the window real quick. Real fucking quick. I know a great 
deal of people who hold opinions like these are the same people that get in debates with their friends over what's the greatest TV series of all time. The Sopranos or The Wire or even more morally questionable Breaking Bad. Now, these motivations and beliefs oftentimes come from a harmless and uninformed place. But they can also come from a much more sinister, vile, and frankly racist place as well. And that is something that we could discuss for hours. But musically, the real shame of it is this embargo that a lot of people put on rap music is keeping them from great art. Art that they would love. Because there's so much about an album like The Infamous that should be familiar to all of our cultural brains. I mean, what's the difference between Prodigy on The Infamous and Omar from The Wire? Except for the fact that Michael K. Williams, the actor that played Omar, got nominated for an NAACP Image Award for his performance, and Prodigy, who is a real person, mind you, gets thrown on the pile with the rest of rap music and labeled a menace to America. Which is a real shame. And not just for Mob Deep. Though I do think, in my opinion, they don't ever get the credit they truly deserve. But it's a shame for America and the world. Because they're missing out on a brilliant piece of art that's been sitting in their backyard for 25 years. Check it out now, run for your life. Or you want to get your heat, whatever. We could die together as long as I send your maggot ass to the essence. I don't give a fuck about my presence. Lost in the blocks of hate and can't wait for the next crab nigga to step and meet fate. I'm lethal when I see you, there is no sequel. 24-7 Mac 11 is my people, so why you wanna end your little life like this? Cause now you bump heads with kids that's lifeless. I live by the day only if I survive the last night. Damn right, I ain't trying to fight. We can settle this like some grown men on the concrete floor. My slugs will put a stop to your hardcore ways of action. I grab the gas. Then. Ain't no turning back when I start blasting Pick up the handle and insert the potion Cock the shit back in a calm-like motion No signs of anger or fear Cause you the one in danger Never share your plans with a stranger Word is wrong, I'm fucking stop now now I got you You got the heart to get Okay I have to interrupt here for a second I wasn't planning on doing this Because, well, I was planning on going straight into this great quote From the writer Mosi Reeves here That would tie it seamlessly into where we left off for the musical break. You know, professional podcast shit. But I was listening to the song, and I have to just say that that verse from Prodigy, and the song is called Right Back At You, which features uh, Raekwon and Ghostface from Wu-Tang Clan. It's probably my favorite piece of writing on this record. And it is such a great example of what makes Prodigy's mind and writing so incredible. He starts the verse with, yeah, now run for your life, or you can go get, get, get your heat, whatever. We can die together. As long as I send your maggot ass to the essence, I don't give a fuck about your presence. Whew. I'm lost in the blocks of hate and can't wait for the next crab to step and meet fate. I didn't even look those lyrics up. I, I've, just, <laughs> I've, I've had every word of this album memorized for 25 years. And I think about this verse so much. The language of revenge is Shakespearean. You know, you remove the curse words, 
And this could be Iago talking about Othello. I mean, lost in the blocks of hate. What an image. And I'm sure someone out there is listening to this right now and says, you know, well, why doesn't he remove the curse words? Why does he have to curse? Because if you remove the curse words, if he spoke like he went to the Yale School of Drama instead of going to the Queensbridge School of the Dunn language, it would be Iago talking about Othello, which we've heard before. And instead, it's Prodigy rapping about revenge in a way that until the infamous, we've never heard before. Which is all the more reason for America to just get over their shit about rap music because they're missing out. And that ends my interruption. Brings us back to Mosi Reeves, who brings up a bunch of brilliant points about this. I think you have to get past the stereotypes. I think a lot of people have subconscious stereotypes. Uh, rappers is dumb black high school dropouts. And a lot of the choices, sonic choices, that rappers make are very deliberate. So, this is Mosey Reeves. He's a freelance writer from the Bay Area, bylines with NPR, Rolling Stone, AV Club, Deadspin. He's also got a great rap blog of his own called criticalminded.com. He's a really insightful mind with a crazy knowledge of rap history, but also all music history. Easily one of my favorite people to talk to for this season. And you have to look at their background. Like both, both, like both members of Mob Deep went to art school, just like the Sex Pistols went to art school or the Rolling Stones went to art school. You know, they, they came from the same kind of places of creating an ethos through art that your favorite rock bands do. It's just was done for a more contemporary time. And it was done to speak to a different audience. This brings us to some very important points. One, just further reinforcement that everybody needs to just get over their shit about rap music, listen to it, and enjoy it, and appreciate it. Because it is coming from the same place that a lot of our favorite music already comes from. Working class and poor people creating to escape from or report on their working class and poor life. The aesthetics and the slang may be different, but often the message and the motivation is exactly the same. And two, there's a really important detail about how life shaped the art of prodigy and havoc. Which gets back to that first point that Jeff Weiss made, you know, it's the stuff that you can't get from rapping for 10,000 hours in your mom's basement. You see, Prodigy and Havoc, while they were growing up in the hell of the Queensboro public housing system, they got to leave that place five days a week for the high school for art and design in midtown Manhattan, which had to be a big difference for them. You know, every Monday through Friday, leaving the hell of Queens for 57th Street in Manhattan. Yeah, it was a big difference because I was just so used to being from the projects, you know what I mean? This is, of course, Havoc from Mob Deep. The, the contrast was definitely different from school and then back to home. You know, I know some of the kids probably couldn't imagine the things that went on in my neighborhood. So do you feel like it made you more aware of the insanity of your life at home in Queensbridge? 
it absolutely made me aware of, you know, the life that was going on back home. Because you got to keep in mind, our design high school was right smack dead in Manhattan on 57th Street and 2nd Avenue. So that's like as Manhattan as it gets, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and then right across the bridge, not even 10 minutes, is Long Island City. Long Island City being where the Queensbridge Housing Project is located. We all know about Queensbridge by now, right? Right. Just a whole, whole different ball game. So the contrast couldn't be more stark. And, you know, I always had that in mind, but it gave me, being in Manhattan in high school gave me a taste of uh, a life that, you know, I would want, you know what I mean? Something better than just the hood. It all began on the street to the back of a blue police vehicle. Next come the bookings, the way things is looking. It's Friday, you went for a long stay. Getting shackled on the bus first thing come Monday. Hoping in your mind you'll be released one day. But knowing home is a place you're not going for a long while. Now you're up on the L, in a position that you ain't got you refusing to smile. But keep in mind there's a lot of day. After your time spent, it used to be wild. But locked up, you can't get bent, don't you can hack it. Now you request a PC, you're fragile. It ain't hard to see. Niggas like that don't associate with me. I'd expand on what Havoc was saying there. I would say that taking that 20-minute trip across the Queensboro Bridge to Manhattan for school every day gave Prodigy and Havoc more than just a point of aspiration. Art design is a public school. Kids get busted in from all over. So you're going to class with kids from every cultural, racial demographic, and financial class. And seeing that contrast, stepping between those two worlds, it gave them a greater perspective on the horrors of their own life, which made them the perfect people to report on it. The perfect people to create art about it. Because humans, especially kids, are survivors by nature. You know, when you're in a tough position in life, you don't know any different. You just keep going. You never take the time to stop and reflect on where you're at, what you're doing. And you don't have to grow up in the projects to have gone through something like this. Everybody's gone through something like this at some point in their life. You know, you're stuck at a shit job or in a terrible relationship. You can't even recognize how bad it is until you're finally out of it. Then it all hits at once and you look back and you're like, how did I do that for so long? This, to me, is such a crucial thing that separates them from so many of the great rappers of that era. Perspective. Which, I didn't grow up in the projects, but if you talk to anybody that did, or you just do some reading on life in places like that, you'll learn how they become islands in the middle of a city. There's countless books and studies all over the world people in projects and favelas and barrios and slums who live, you know, like a few miles from the ocean but have never seen the beach because that's how those places trap you. But Prodigy and Havoc, they got to escape. They got that little taste of the outside world which gives them that perspective that they need to shine a light on their neighborhood like no one has before. It's a street rap record, you know, and at its best, that's what street rap does. We're back here with writer, journalist, Mosey Davis. You know, it's about, like, addressing the people that you live with. It's not about addressing um, a whole city or a nation or the world. You know, you're shining a camera on your neighborhood, and your neighborhood could be anywhere from a couple of miles to a couple of blocks. Especially in gang-ridden neighborhoods, some of those territories are 
you know, the handful of locks. It also captures a mood that is prevalent, you know, from them to Tupac to Scarface to Diary. There's just all kinds of music that are really struggling with seeing death and feeling survival guilt as a black man that's starting to see some success. You know, and you can't bring your people on the block with you. So, oh, you communicate their experience through your music. I do agree with Q-Tip when he says that it's that element of young and traumatized black men trying to make their way in the world that defined that album. And this is why a piece of music like The Infamous has such great value. Why it's a foolish mistake to write off rap music or even write off parts of rap music that might make you feel uncomfortable. Because if you take the time to listen and to understand, they communicate worlds to you. They teach you things. They show you things that you may never have seen or imagined, which is the responsibility of all great art. Mob Deep is living this two-sided life. You got their life at home in Queens and their life in, you know, high school in Manhattan. And undoubtedly, this gave them a leg up in their ability to communicate the horrors and the sadness of Queensbridge. But there's another facet shaping this album. Maybe more like a specter looming over this album that I think really explains a lot of the tone of the infamous. Beyond the chaos and the danger that they both faced in their daily lives, to quote Q-Tip, as young and traumatized black men trying to make their way in the world, Prodigy was dealing with another fight on top of that. Sickle cell anemia. Sickle cell anemia is a genetic blood disease. You're born with it. It's most common in people of African ancestry, though in rare cases it can occur in different groups. It's caused by a problem with the hemoglobin inside your red blood cells, which distorts the shape of your red blood cells from the usual disc shape into a sickle shape, almost like a crescent moon, which in turn can cause a lot of related medical problems. I won't get too deep into the science of it, but it can cause organ damage, it can cause infections, but most commonly it causes excruciatingly painful swelling, especially in your hands and feet. This is also, unfortunately, why the only member of Mob Deep I was able to speak to for this season was Havoc. Prodigy died three years ago while he was in the hospital dealing with the pain from the disease. I won't dwell on this too much because there's actually an incredible podcast entirely about Prodigy and his life with Sickle Cell called The Realness. It was produced by WMYC and it's fantastic. They cover it all beautifully. But you hear this, you hear about Prodigy's life, you hear about the Sickle Cell, and no wonder Prodigy writes with such a dead-eyed, nihilistic view of the world. No wonder there's so much pain and sadness and confused emotion in this record. Because on top of all the pain and sadness of his life in Queens, 
Prodigy was dealing with all of the pain of sickle cell and the isolation of hospital rooms and the brutal reality of facing a life sentence with a disease that has no cure. When you add all that up, it's sort of a wonder that he wrote it all. I, I played the album like maybe a month or two ago, and I was just thinking about Prodigy's verses just were so full of PTSD and trauma, and like not, not necessarily in like a way that it was implied, but in a way that like he was openly discussing. This is Don Will. He's originally from Cincinnati, but he's been living in Brooklyn for a long time. He's a DJ and a comedian, but most notably, he's a rapper and a producer, one half of the incredible rap group, Tanya Morgan, which is one of those great rap groups that you may not have heard of, but every one of your favorite rappers have heard of them. Hell, even Drake put them on a song. Like in today's self-examining, like everybody's like really doing a lot of self-work and looking at themselves and thinking about how their minds work and thinking about like society and shit. Prodigy was talking about a lot of this stuff back then on this album he was talking about the long-term effects of seeing somebody die and like how he's traumatized and he can't really deal with like it's an amazing description of the human condition as he experienced it because again he's also a dude with sickle cell so he has he has two different relationships to pain he has this pain from a disease that he can't really like nobody can control that and he also has this environmental pain and anguish that you know he's He's at war with people on the next block, and then his homies are dying, and then he's his poverty. It's like so many levels and layers of the trauma he's discussing that people just kind of look at it as like just street music, or like you know they're talking about like guns and drugs and whatever, whatever. But there's some deep examination happening. It's almost like he, it's almost like he's just sitting on his therapist's couch with Ryan. Every day of my life since 11 74 on the street making non-stop creams of law, packing heat, sticking up weed stores and more, collecting interest, offer extortions to settle my score. It gets deeper when things get real. I'm down to sticking that West Bank for my meal, and I'm from Hempstead. It's close to the shacks and Parkside, well I'll be outside slinging. You always hot and don't. Come around to the crossroads of life With to the death of you and me to speak for eternity I'm going out to the fullest extent So far into my troubles It's hard for me to get back To my everyday self-encomposure What I've always loved about records like this Is that the, the greatest commentary Is in the midst of surviving all of this Somebody cared enough to make something Beautiful in its own way This is rapper and activist Brother Ali He's toured with and played shows with, made music with damn near everybody, including actually a few of the rappers that appeared on The Infamous. We ended up talking for a long time, but the thing that he said that really stuck with me was something I hadn't heard from anybody else, but is a really beautiful and important point. That to him, the sheer existence of this record, of any record like this, is it's something that shouldn't just give you insight into the dark world that produced it, should actually, at the same time, give you a great deal of hope. That they took all of that ugliness, and even some of the sounds are like dark and heavy, and a lot of the language is dark and heavy because that's what's that's what they're reporting on. Like that's the subject that they're talking about. But to take the time to actually make art out of that, that can communicate what nobody reporting in the social work department at the greatest universities of the world could really give you that same sense of the horrors and the humanity of the people that are experiencing it 
on a deeper level, it is a, a expose on the human spirit. Any and every time that people make art out of that reality, it's like, oh, there is hope for the human being in this upside down hellish chaos, you know, that if, if somebody in that situation can make something that if you just read the lyrics on paper, you're like, oh, this is negative. But the fact that they made it is positive. The fact that they made the art, I'm not even talking about that they were successful doing it, but like the fact that somebody said, me and my friends matter enough. And like the way, the, what we're experiencing matters enough to make art in this time. That in and of itself is a really revolutionary act. There's a war going on outside, no man is safe from. You could run, but you can't hide forever from these streets that we done took. You walking with your head down, scared to look. You shook, cause ain't no such things as halfway crooks. They never around when the beef cooks in my part of town. It's similar to Vietnam. Now we all grown up and old and beyond the cops control. They better have the riot gear ready. Trying to back me and get rock steady. By the Mac 1 double, I touch you and leave you with not much to go home with. My skin is thick, cause I'll be up in the mix of action. If I'm not at home, puffing live, relaxing. I first heard the infamous about 25 years ago, shortly after it came out. To be honest, it scared the hell out of me. But something about it, I just couldn't stop listening. Couldn't look away. Back then, where I grew up in the suburbs of Jacksonville, Florida, 95, you, you didn't get a lot of information about rap records. It's pre-Google, pre-Wikipedia. You know, you got what you got from your older brother or your skateboard friends or Rap City on BET. So I didn't know any of the information that we've talked about over these three episodes. In fact, I didn't really know any information at all because my first copy of the album was a dub cassette. I'm not even sure I had the track names. But even then, it felt different from all the other rap records I loved at the time. I had no evidence to back this up, certainly didn't have any experience, but something about it just felt more real. This is around the time that I was starting to teach myself how to rap, which that's my full-time job when I'm not doing this. I was 13 years old, and like all great rappers, I was learning while I walked my family dog <laughs> through our subdivision. When I started out, skinny, little suburban white me, I was trying to sound like the New York underground rappers that I loved. Big L, Lord Finesse, Cool G Rap. You couldn't get instrumentals back then, so I'd literally just freestyle right over the songs I liked, lyrics and all. And I'd use them sort of like a blueprint. I'd try to sound like them, rap like them, talk about things like I was from New York, you know, a lot of those guys, they're so over the top. It feels like theater, so in a way it felt okay for me to try to play that role too at the time. Then I got the infamous. I tried to do the same, and I just couldn't. <laughs> I remember it too. I was listening to Survival of the Fittest. I was trying to rap, and like, all of a sudden my voice, which had sounded... So dope over everybody else's songs in my mind just sounded like a little boy's voice. And it was then 
that I realized I was listening to something very different. I was not like them. I never would be. What I was hearing, like, it might as well have come from a different planet. And from that point on, I stopped trying to sound like I was from New York. I stopped trying to rap like I was from the projects. It wasn't something I gave a lot of thought to at the time. I just remember hearing the infamous and deciding that that was done. I guess I just recognized that this, this wasn't something that you could fake. This was real. And no matter how much time I spent rapping, whether I made it to my 10,000 hours or not, I would never be this. Hold up, son. Word. Yeah, to all the killers and the hundred dollar billers. For real, because who ain't got no feelings? Feelings. Just watch my back, I got your friend. Check it out now. Stuck off the realness, we be the infamous, you heard of us Official Queensbridge murderers, the mob comes equipped for warfare Beware of my crime family who got enough shots to share For all those who want to profile and pose Rock you in your face, stab your brain with your nose bone You all alone in these streets, cousin Every man I want to thank my guests for this episode Reddish Jeff Weiss, Mosey Reeves Check out both their sites, Passion of the Weiss and CriticalMinded.com Some of the best writing you'll ever find about rap music and two of the places that I go to learn about new rap music. They're always up on that new shit. I want to thank rappers Brother Ali and Don Will. Both make great work. Both put on great shows. Do yourselves a favor. Check out their albums and whenever we're allowed to go to shows again, see them if they come through your town. One more time, big thanks to Havoc from Mob Deep for being so generous with your time. So funny and giving us this incredible record. They released the 25th anniversary edition of the album with some of the rarities and cool shit to listen to on there. Go check that out wherever you stream records. If you enjoy the season of the Opus, go back and check out some of the previous seasons too. The Clash is my favorite one. And if you've heard all of them, be sure to like, subscribe, rate, review, tell a friend, all that. We got a lot more audio left, so I would expect a bonus episode coming soon. And I gotta say, I've heard which artist I'm gonna cover for the next season. I can't tell you who she is yet, but it's gonna be a good one. Last, but certainly not least, Recipes to Prodigy. That was a loss. Thanks for listening, y'all. This one is really important to me. For Consequence of Sound and Sony Legacy Recordings, I'm your host, Andy Bothwell. And this is the Opus. Consequence Podcast Network. Hey, it's Kyle Meredith, host of the Kyle Meredith with podcast presented by WFPK at WFPK.org and the Consequence Podcast Network. It's a series that puts the spotlight on iconic musicians and actors, inviting them to drop by and talk about their latest projects, whether it's albums, TV shows, films, or beyond. I'm going to say something I don't want to say. Here it goes. Without Spinal Tap, 
There is no Tenacious D. Whoa. <laughs> Man. We get great stories and the biggest scoops from people like Garbage's Shirley Manson, the 1975's Maddie Healy, Jack Black and Kyle Gass of Tenacious D, Maya Hawk, Kiefer Sutherland, and everyone in between. New episodes arrive every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, so it's a great way to keep up with your favorite artists and discover some new ones. You can find Kyle Meredith with on the Consequence Podcast Network or wherever you get your podcasts. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park